Welcome to GenieCast, where we listen to today's inspiring minds to nurture your inner genius. So on today's episode, we have with us Tanya Lewis-Lee, who is our May Genie curator for Genie Box, and is also a producer, um, entrepreneur, writer, mother, just a woman of many hats that we're going to get into. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you. Thank you for joining us yeah, today. Thanks for having me. So how would you describe yourself, Tanya? How would I describe myself? I guess I would just say that I am um, yeah, all those things you, you just said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a creative woman. I, I'm a person who likes to create things, um, who's really looking to make the world a better place. Uh, and, um, you know, just feel very mission-driven in trying to do some good in this uh, crazy, cruel world that we live in. Mm -hmm. What, as a child, did you, let's back up. When did you know that creativity was going to be the avenue for you? <laughs> it's a great question mm -hmm. because uh, I come from, a, my father was in corporate America. Uh, my mom was a teacher. Um, and so the idea of a creative career was not something that we were familiar with or thought was really a possibility. Um, when I graduated from college, I actually really wanted to be a TV producer, um, but I really didn't know how to do it. And for many years, I blamed my parents because mm -hmm. they were the ones that said, you know, you need to go to law school or business school. Uh, and I said, oh, well, I'll go to law school. But what I realized now is that it wasn't their fault because if I had known how to do it or if I had had the, the fear, the guts, the courage, I would have figured out how to do it. Mm -hmm. But what I did was I did go to law school. Uh, and I did practice law for a couple of years. Uh, and then I married a really creative person who sort of gave me the freedom and um, by sort of watching him showed me how to do it. Mm -hmm. And so that's really when I realized that creativity could really work for me. What was your very first creative endeavor? Well, and even before I met him, I was trying to start a magazine. Mm. So I was practicing law mm -hmm. uh, at the time and working with a friend of mine. It was a, a magazine that we ultimately called Revel that was going to be an entertainment uh, magazine. Mm. You know, sort of um, a vanity fair of black folks. Oh, wow. Uh, and, you know, we, we were, I worked really hard at it for a few years and actually went to the same... Um, continuing education program that Vanessa did for mm -hmm. publishing mm -hmm. uh, for eight weeks, um, and but just was not able to raise the money to support the project that I was trying to create. Mm -hmm. What did you learn about that? Uh, well, the magazine business is really tough. Right. Uh, right. I did learn that. Um, I learned, um, you know, that it's, it is, it's hard. And it was at a time, it's so funny because it was at a time just as the internet, I mean, I'm really dating myself, but the truth is the internet net was just starting, mm. right? And so I had thought about what if we did it online? And at the time people kept, were saying, oh, well, images aren't gonna look good online. Oh, wow. You know, there's no way it's ever gonna work, <laughs> you know? So, you know, you really need to try to figure out how to make it work with print. Um, and so I guess what I learned is that, you know, sometimes you, you really do have to be a visionary and, and take a chance uh, mm -hmm. when everybody's telling you no, but it was early in the process. And 
You know, the truth of the matter is at the time I was writing because I, I, I was working on my craft. I would get up in the morning and just write for myself because I thought I would be writing for the magazine because I wanted to be writing. Um, and I had the opportunity to, you know, bring together a team of people. I mean, I did have a creative director. We work with photographers. Um, I tried to raise money. So I, I did learn quite a bit about what starting a business is. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was my first, in a way, I can think of it as my first exercise right. almost as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. you know. How did what did it do to you like personally to start something but not have it come to fruition in the way that you wanted it to? So yeah. how did you deal with that like from a personal perspective? Well, I'll, I'll tell you honestly. Um, when I decided to give it up uh, was when I discovered I was pregnant with my son, mm. and I had a I had a daughter who was two, and I just realized that. I, 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 my hands were too full. Right. I, I couldn't do it. Uh, and so as hard a decision as it was to let it go, mm -hmm. um, there was quite honestly a little bit of relief for me mm -hmm. because it was the right decision. So I could put my focus where it needed to be, which right. was really on my family mm -hmm. at the time. And it gave me room to begin to explore other creative outlets. But I will be honest, at first it was very hard. I mean, you know, I had to lick my wounds for a second. You mm -hmm. know, I did feel like, you know, I sort of failed. Um, and that was something that I was not uh, really accustomed to doing. And so it was hard, but I, I've learned from it and it ended up being a good thing. Absolutely. Was there a moment where you only focused on your family? Were you just only doing, you know, motherhood as your full-time job? Or was it always motherhood plus something? Well, I would say that uh, I did focus. I mean, motherhood was my primary focus. But like I said, I was writing. Mm -hmm. I was writing for myself. I wrote for years before I showed anybody anything I, I wrote. Wow. Um, I, but at the same time, uh, through watching my children and working on my writing on my own is where I came to, you know, I remember when my daughter um, was three years old and we were watching the Rugrats and she looked at the TV and she said, oh, they're gray. And I said, yeah. And she looked at herself. She's my complexion. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, I'm gray. And it was a light bulb moment in that I was seeing the way she was seeing the world mm -hmm. and interpreted and trying to find her place in it. And I was like, there is not enough content for children that look like her. There mm -hmm. are not enough books. There's not enough TV. Uh, and I was like, somebody should, you know, do something about it. And then that's where I really entered into that. Um, so the children really brought me into uh, the children's space, which is when I, you know, mm -hmm. first wrote Please Baby Please um, and did start working with Nickelodeon and working with Disney TV animation. Mm -hmm. And then what what did you learn from the point of view of watching your child to like now it's like you're professionalizing it, right? So you were looking at it from the point of view of a mother, noticing that her daughter was not like, you know, she wasn't engaging with the content in a way that you would have liked, right? right? So like a mother's perspective. But then now you kind of transition and kind of put yourself into the business perspective of that. Was there anything that you learned from the business end around creating content? 
Well, you know, at the time, I would say, again, it was really, you know, a place of, of passion, you know, uh, and I was fortunate <clears throat> in that, um, you know, I, I knew people in different places so that I could begin the process. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't know anything about publishing children's right. books, right? So mm -hmm. I had to, I had to learn what that meant. You know, I learned that it's, you know, the book should be 32 pages, like that there's a way it's done. I mean, um, I, I went, you know, I learned what it was like to work with an artist. Uh, on Please Baby Please, it took some time because we had one artist, an original artist, uh, who was doing the drawings for the book. And we would have what I thought were very clear conversations. I thought we understood each other <laughs> perfectly well. Yeah. I knew his work, so I kind of thought we were speaking in the same language. Mm -hmm. But then he would come, he would do something and come back and deliver it. It was absolutely the opposite of what we talked about. Mm. So, you know, I, ultimately we ended up finding another artist, which was Kadir Nelson. Mm -hmm. And we would speak and he would deliver the same thing. And, and I say that to say that what I learned in that is that, you know, how to work with artists, how to, how to talk with artists. And, and I love the other artists and, and, and we had a good relationship. We just, we just communicated differently. And it was just so interesting to see um, how the work showed up. So um, really had an opportunity to learn how to, how to work with artists. Um, and, you know, that it's, again, I mean, that to me, again, was also the writing process, working with editors. I mean, just the whole process of putting together a book, you know? You have like such a multi-dimensional experience, not only as an entrepreneur, but also in the creative fields because you also work in the film right. space. So film for, for films, like motion pictures, but mm -hmm. also television mm -hmm. and then children. So it's like all these different creative enterprises. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that travels between all three of them or is it like just really completely different industries? Uh, well, I think again, I, as I said earlier, like I'm, I'm mission driven, right? So, so throughout all the work, there, the, I, my intention is to um, try to first of all, often uh, in my content work, show black people and all our complexity. I mean, we're not perfect people, but we are complex, multi-dimensional mm -hmm. um, human beings. And I, again, I don't think there's enough work out there that shows us in, as we really are. Mm -hmm. um, I am uh, very much uh, an advocate around health and wellness. Mm -hmm. uh, and I believe that in my work, um, you know, health and wellness can come through as well in different ways. Um, and, um, uh, and in a way about family too, about, you know, what it means to um, raise children uh, and, and bring children up in this world. So I think if you, if you look at the body of work, uh, including um, my, my Movita, obviously health and wellness company, mm -hmm. uh, you'll see that, they, that there totally. are themes throughout mm -hmm. that speak to, and it's just a way of getting all of that messaging out in different ways, mm. you know? How do you decide? Like, how do you decide <clears throat> which projects to pursue? Yeah, it's, um, well, I think, again, it depends on, um, you know, 
It just depends on if it's really great content. Like I, I like to adapt books for television mm -hmm. uh, or for film uh, and looking for really good quality um, intellectual property uh, to bring to life. Uh, again, I think that, and again, when I when I talk about health and wellness, I mean, She's Got to Have It is a show that I have produced, right? And uh, at first glance, you might not think it fits within, you know, please, baby, please, a children's picture book mm -hmm. or a health and wellness company. But at the same time, we're, we're talking about a black woman who is an artist who's trying to figure out how to make it in her world. Uh, we're talking about the issues of gentrification. Mm -hmm. She goes to a therapist. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she's she is sexually active and free, and you see her, you know, um, engaging in safe sex. Mm -hmm. uh, you see her relationships with her friends and how she's navigating that. Um, so, so that's just an example of how I'm able to get some of the messaging out in that way. But I think it's just about really being clear on making sure the work is good um, and and really kind of deals in those issues. You mm -hmm. know? And now that your children are older, does that, do you see yourself doing more or less? Like what? It Absolutely. Like I feel like I am, um, you know, put the pedal to the metal a yeah. little bit, you know. Yeah. I am so lucky in that, you know, I was able to, um, sort of be on simmer. I mean, I continue to work throughout their uh, childhood, but it was at a at a pace that worked for my family. Mm -hmm. And um, because I am fortunate to have a husband who is so driven and is out there doing his thing, um, you know, he needed to do that for multiple reasons. And I needed to be the rock at home. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't trade that for anything. Um, uh, but now that they are older, it's like I, I am on a grind. Mm -hmm. uh, I have, you know, I'm still, I still feel at least like I'm a relatively young woman. Uh, and mm -hmm. I'm going to, I know myself, I will work until the day I die, mm -hmm. one way or another. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to retire and go to Florida and play golf. Not that there's anything wrong with that, mm -hmm. but that's just not who I am. Uh, but I will tell you for the next 10 years, uh, I'm grinding. Uh, I am trying to build something meaningful um, for myself, for my family, for my community. It's going to take a lot of hard work, uh, and I have the time to do it. And I'm really grateful that I have the time to do it now. What, how does your family see you now? Since you, you know, you you transitioned, right? Yeah. Like you were the rock, you were at home more. Now you're. Tanya, grind mode, Tanya, you know, well, entrepreneur. Yeah. This is a different, is an adjustment. It, there is an adjustment. Mm -hmm. There is a little bit of an adjustment, you know, mm -hmm. and there are times when I have to say, oh, right. Like, you're still my child. <laughs> so you do still kind of need me, you know. Um, it's not like just because you're grown, right. you're on your own in the world. Right. And I have to pause that, you mm -hmm. know. Um it's funny because Spike's been away for a few months. I mean, he'll be back soon. But um, I have to admit, him him being away gives me a little bit of freedom, right, you know? Right, right, um, right. You know, because as you say, everybody has to adjust. Like, mm. what are you doing? What do you mean you're not paying attention to me? Mm -hmm. I'm busy. I'm focused, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, but you know, they, they figure it out. They mm -hmm. know. They understand. And by the way, again, I, again, we're all busy in the house. Right. 
The kids are busy too. I mean, and they're living back at home, but they're busy. They've got stuff going on. So we're all coming and going and running and what are you doing and helping each other and, mm-hmm. you know, so it's it's really it's really kind of a fun thing, mm-hmm. you know? How do you navigate that though? Because I'm always curious as someone who is a single person, mm-hmm. like how would I navigate having a partner and then wanting to be just as ambitious, wanting to do multiple things? Like how do you think about negotiation and navigating time and all those other things. Well, for you, I would say you have to choose a mate very carefully who understands that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it it would not work in uh, for us to be together, for me to be going, oh my God, you don't spend time with me. You're going out and you're never home. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not who we are. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, go out there and and live your life. Like, I'm excited for you. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you working on? Mm -hmm. You know, that's awesome. And by the way, I'll meet you there. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, um, you know, it's just, I mean, we're excited for each other. Mm -hmm. And it's like, go live your life. Do, Do you be you? And when we catch each other, like, then we catch each other, you know? Mm-hmm. We want to spend time together with each other when we're both in good places. And no, if you're not happy, if we're not happy, nobody's happy. Mm-hmm. And neither, none of us are going to be happy just sitting at home waiting for somebody else to come. In right. fact, you know, it doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we catch up with each other when we can catch up with each other. And when we do, it's really wonderful, you know? And we have a lot to talk about. Is she's got a habit the first time you've worked together professionally? No, uh, I produced a miniseries for Nickelodeon uh, some years ago now called uh, Miracles Boys. Mm-hmm. And um, we had, uh, we did six episodes and Spike directed two episodes for us. Uh, the difference in that though was that it was a show that I uh, was really exec producing and Spike was just coming on to direct a couple of episodes versus she's got a habit where it really is like, you know, Spike and I are exec producing together, and then he's directing all 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's definitely got a different vibe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Is there like an overlap between like wife and executive producer, or it's like I'm at work, we're executive producing now? I'm, you know what I mean? Do you, yeah. do I, how do you see that? No, I think I think we're definitely um, executive. You know, we're definitely at work uh, when we're at work, and I I don't maybe maybe there's a little overlap. I mean, we do you know we do take lunch together. You mm-hmm. know, from time to time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and um, you know it's funny. We did have some moments at the writers' table where, you know, we're talking about a character. Um, uh, you know, these characters, I don't want to give anything away, but it was just really funny because I, I was like, well, she's going to get that. And he was like, well, I don't think that. And I was like, well, I'm going to tell you. And the writers were like, the writers were like okay. <laughs> you know, we were working it out, you know, at the table. But um, yeah, it's fun. It's good mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, you know, it does get it does get intense mm-hmm. sometimes, too. And so Movita is, in terms of, it's not a content company. So everything else... Is has been all content, yeah. And now this is a product company, yeah. It's a different. Oh, you said yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So, well, let's let's go from the product perspective, and then you you'll add the content mm-hmm. layer. But from the product perspective, as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and as a leader, like, how did you have to like shift gears in terms of like what you're producing, like you're producing something for consumers to buy, you know, online or in a store 
versus watching. Sure. You know. Well, look, I think you know. Uh, for me, creating a product for consumers that people are going to take and ingest, had, it had to be, again, it had to be of good quality. I have to be able to stand by it. It has to be right. And so uh, it was important to me that I make sure that what we're creating and producing is really, really good and, mm -hmm. and good for people. Uh, and so finding the right partner. Uh, and I wouldn't have I wouldn't have done it if I didn't have the right partnership in that, you mm -hmm. know, uh, who could make sure that we knew we were sourcing the best product possible. Mm -hmm. um, I will say, you know, for me, also figuring out the packaging, how to deliver it right. uh, to my consumer in a way that is appealing to her, that can work in her life, you know, really, really thinking about who my consumer is, who is she, mm -hmm. what is she thinking about, what's going on in her life, and how can our product uh, make her life better. But I will tell you, Movita really comes out of my work in health advocacy, uh, working mm -hmm. with the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the Office of Minority Health for now over 10 years. Um, uh, and really try and creating a platform called Healthy You Now, mm -hmm. uh, which was a content site that was talking to women peer to peer about how to live your or how to access your, your healthiest lifestyle. Mm. And so Movita really became a tool or is a tool for women to try to live or access their best health. So for me, Movita really at its core is the way, a way for me to continue the conversation with women about how to access your best health. Because I'll be the first person to tell you, no pill, no vitamin is going to do it for you. Mm -hmm. you it is part of a lifestyle that, you know, our product you can take on an empty stomach with a glass of water first thing in the morning. It's only one pill. A lot of vitamins are really three, four pills throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So if you take Movita with a glass of water first thing in the day, you've hydrated and you've made a good one good choice at the beginning of the day that will hopefully lead in a course of good choices for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. Like that's really how I think about it. And I say content because... Again, I want to keep this conversation going. I am thinking about, um, and I'm going to do it anyway, but, you know, producing documentaries, um, you know, producing shows that relate to health and wellness very specifically uh, that may come out of, out of Movita. Where is the, beyond the, the obvious, right, people should be healthy, but is there something else around health and wellness that's like a real passion point for well, you? Yeah, I mean, as I said, uh, you know, working with the Office of Minority Health, I started that in 2007. It was an infant mortality awareness raising campaign here in the United States. Mm -hmm. Infant mortality is the death of a child after uh, a live birth before its first birthday. Mm -hmm. It is the marker of a health of a nation. The United States has a very serious infant mortality problem. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to black women, we our our children die at higher rates than the general population. Mm -hmm. uh, there are things that can be done to change that, and um, and also in my work, when you talk about an infant health, infants health, you're really talking about women's health. Mm -hmm. uh, and black women, you know, statistically, we're not doing as well as we should be doing, mm -hmm. and there are a host of reasons. And, it, mm -hmm. and it's, not, it's not all individual choice. There are a host of reasons for this, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so my passion comes from 
you know, at our core, at our base, we need to be healthier. I mean, when we look at the maternal mortality rate, right, of women dying in childbirth in the United States, it is insane. Mm -hmm. And black women, again, are hit hardest. And so for me, it's about reminding us all that we really do matter. Our health really matters. It's really important. Mm -hmm. I, I love the Audre Lorde quote. Um, about, you know, health is self-preservation and political warfare, because it is. Uh, and we are at war out here. And all of us as Black women, as part of our community, need to help and support each other to be the healthiest that we can be so we can live the lives that we need to live so that our children and our future and our communities are as healthy as they can be. Mm -hmm. So that's that's why it matters to me. Mm -hmm. you know? And is that what um, drew you to the political space too? Because I know you work with like Black Women's Lead and like, you know, you, you're really in politics as well. It's another dimension that we well, haven't even really touched. That's so funny. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that I'm really into politics, yeah. but I, it, politics matter, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, politics politics do affect our health. Mm. They affect our education. They affect our economics. Mm. I mean, and so you have to be in it to, to help make a change. Mm. So yeah, I, you know, I have sat down uh, with Kirsten Gillibrand, with Kamala Harris. Mm. Um, you know, do I, do I think that either one of them will be president? I, I don't, I don't know, but uh, they're both senators who have sponsored legislation around maternal mortality. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to support them and get in their faces and tell them the issue matters to me and figure out how to help them um, continue to work on the legislation that can help us be healthier. Mm -hmm. How do you start your mornings? Mm -hmm. How do I start my mornings? Um, I like to get up early. This is, although this is a relatively new thing, mm -hmm. but I do like to be get up early. Uh, I get disappointed when it's like six a.m. and I'm just getting up. I like to get up at like five. <laughs> like I'm like I, I know six a.m. is late. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's six a.m. these days is feeling a little late. Okay. Um, I I get a I have a I have a Yorkie. Uh, so let's say I get up at six. Uh, I get my cup of coffee. I feed Ginger. Uh, I let her out. Um, uh, and then I probably take a moment, uh, read the paper for a second, go through my emails, answer some emails, uh, meditate, uh, go to the gym and have my delicious smoothie. So from the moment you get up to the smoothie, how many hours is that before you feel um, like you're like really in your day? So if my day is really right mm -hmm. by 930, I have I have answered emails. I've gone to the gym. I've had a smoothie. I've had my shower. And, um, you know, I'm ready for the next phase of my day. Mm -hmm. Like I've, I've had a good three and a half, four hours by 930 of some solid work before people start really getting to work. And now I'm dealing with phone calls and emails that are on everybody else's schedule. Is that the most, is that the moment that you're most protective of your time or is there another part of the day that you feel like you're protective of your time? Um, you know, I would say, you know, it's interesting, uh, the idea of protecting, protective of my time. You know, I'm, I'm learning to get better about that. I don't know that I have a time of day that I'm more protective of my time. But I'm getting to the point where I have to be careful about what I do because if time is money, right? Mm -hmm. And I've got a lot of things happening 
And so if I'm wasting time, if then I'm wasting my money and I'm not working towards the goal I need to accomplish. So mm -hmm. I'm learning to be better about making sure that the things that I commit to do are are worth my time. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't mean to say that in a way that sounds, mm -hmm. you know, that I think I'm better than anybody else mm -hmm. at all. It's just I, I, have a, I have a goal, I have a vision, and I really don't have time to mess around. I you know that. What did you, what would you say is like your, like what is it that you need in order to execute on your goal and your vision? Like, um, money. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, uh, and, and strategic partnerships. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the truth. Money and strategic partnerships. I mm -hmm. need smart people around me who know what they're doing, mm -hmm. who are, um, willing to come in. I mean, you know, I, my, Movita, like, you know, we've, we've bootstrapped so far, you know, friends and family, you know, I haven't, there are companies out there who have raised millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And we are just getting to that place where we are now getting ready to get serious about that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But we've, we've bootstrapped, right? So what that means is I need, I need people who are willing to come in and, you know, sacrifice their, their time, sacrifice their expertise, um, uh, who are smart and ready to roll up their sleeves and get to work. Uh, I need people who un who are coming in because they understand the vision and they care about the issues the way I do and are, are going to put their time and energy and effort into it in the same way that I am, you know. Um, I just need really good, smart people around me who actually are smarter than I am mm -hmm. um, in a lot of ways about what they're doing, you know. What do you see your role in your companies like what do you think that like you bring best to your teams um i think for i think i am the creative force mm -hmm. uh, and what i mean by that is i am the one who's really thinking about how we're interfacing with our consumer um i think that i am a um a leader, I think I'm a leader who tries to inspire everyone to understand. I mean, it's important, you know, our, our company culture, right? Uh, where people don't feel like, well, this is mine and, you know, I don't want her coming in on this. I mean, no, we're all working together. Mm -hmm. So reminding the team sometimes that, you know, we're, we're all working for the same thing uh, and, and allowing people to, to come with ideas and, and um, be open and feel like they really have a stake uh, in the company and what we're doing. Um, yeah, so I would say really being the creative leader um, and inspiring the team, you okay. know, uh, while, we're, while we're building. And what is your, so I'm going to back into your 2020 vision, but I'm curious what's your like 2030 vision? Like, what do you want to see like 10 years out for your company in particular? Uh, what I would like to see is that Movita has really grown into a full on wellness brand. So that we are expanded in terms of the supplements. We've talked about um, coming up with other herbal, um, herbal products. Uh, I would like to um, see us, as I said, doing content. 
um, maybe other other products around health and wellness. And part of that for me is talking to talking to my consumers. What do you all? What are you looking for? What matters to you that I can bring to the market? Um, and I, I I would like to. Um, have built something that's gonna last, um, that actually has some real, real support and a real engine behind it. Mm -hmm. And then what's your 2020 vision for black women in particular? Well, look, I mean, you know, it's, uh, again, I go back to the health and I think about, uh, you know, maternal mortality, I think about the statistics around our health, you know, 2020 is next year. It's not going to be fixed by then. Mm -hmm. It's just not. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but my hope is that the conversation can continues in a way that's changing. I mean, specifically, and again, I'm, I'm right here right now, so forgive me, but specifically being focused on the high rate of cesareans right now. Mm -hmm. The cesarean rate from 2000 to 2019 has gone up in a crazy way. Doctors are telling women at four months when they're perfectly healthy, you know, it might be better to just do a C-section. You should really think about a C-section. That is insane. Mm -hmm. We should not be doing that. Mm -hmm. And so my hope is that for 2020, that we're all talking about the fact that if it's at all possible, you do not want to have a cesarean. It is mm -hmm. not the answer. Women, I mean, the, the recovery is much worse mm -hmm. and the outcomes are bad. Women are dying from hemorrhaging from wow. cesareans. That is what is happening. Wow. And so I hope that we are talking a lot about this issue. And I'm going to do my part to raise the awareness um, as well. And I'm going to keep talking about it. And um, I hope we all do too. And I also hope for us that we continue the conversation about empowering ourselves because part of this issue for black women in particular is that when a when a woman is has had a cesarean and she tells her doctor, you know what, I'm not, I'm not feeling right. And, and Serena said this happened to her. Mm -hmm. And and, and the woman says to the doctor, well, I'm not feeling well. The doctor says, you just had a baby. You're not supposed to feel well. Mm -hmm. No, but I'm telling you, there's something not right. right. And they don't listen to us. They, they do not believe we know our bodies. Mm -hmm. They do not believe when we say we're not feeling well. And we, as a community, have to figure out how we have our how we have agency, and again, I'm not saying it's our fault; it's their fault because they don't listen. Right. Uh, but we're going to have to figure figure it out for ourselves um, because because it matters, and and we're dying. And I think we can make a difference. I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I really believe that if we have the information and we start talking about it amongst ourselves and then with our doctors and then keep it going, we will make a difference. So that's Absolutely. all a long way to say that that's what yeah. I'm. I'm focused on for 2020 for us. Yes, thank you for your passion yeah. and your intention yeah. and your commitment you. and your power. Yeah. You know, like I, I just see like all this power like bursting. Well, you know what, and I you. think, and you know, it's, 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 
getting older is a wonderful thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, mm-hmm. it really is. Um, and I did, I would not have, you, you don't know when you're younger, mm-hmm. what you don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. And as you right. get older and you come into yourself and you recognize your power, we all have it. Yes. You know, um, but I think, you know, as you get older, you, you know, you've exercised it a little bit more. So you realize, you know, absolutely. Well, thank you, Tanya, for joining you, us. Jenna. You've been watching Genie Cast. Um, we are in Brooklyn at the home of, well, not at the home of, but we're in Brooklyn at Time Studio. It's a Black-owned hair salon here in Brooklyn, and got to thank them for having us and hosting us this evening. Thank you. Thank you.